A reading from Matthew 5, 1-12. Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up a mountain. He sat down, and his disciples came to him. He taught them, saying, Happy are people who are hopeless, because the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Happy are people who grieve, because they will be made glad. Happy are people who are humble, because they will inherit the earth. Happy are people who are hungry and thirsty for righteousness, because they will be fed until they are full. Happy are people who show mercy, because they will receive mercy. Happy are people who have pure hearts, because they will see God. Happy are people who make peace, because they will be called God's children. Happy are people whose lives are harassed because they are righteous, because the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Happy are you when people insult you and harass you and speak all kinds of bad and false things about you, all because of me. Be full of joy and be glad, because you have a great reward in heaven. In the same way, people harass the prophets who came before you. The word of the Lord. We are a community that loves like Jesus. And my hope and my prayer is that this would be a transformative space for you. Not just today, but every time you tune in. We are continuing our sermon series called The Sermon on the Mount. And today's sermon is titled, Blessed are the Merciful. Today we're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 5, verse 7. And this is the fifth of the Beatitudes. It says this, Happier people who show mercy because they will receive mercy. The NIV translation says this, Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Well, another verse that I want to bring to your attention is actually James 2, chapter 2, verse 13. It kind of says it in reverse using judgment. Verse 13, it says, There will be no mercy in judgment for anyone who hasn't shown mercy. Mercy overrules judgment. Other translations say mercy triumphs over judgment. I kind of like that phrase, mercy triumphs over judgment. Well, when you look at our culture today, you see a great divide. There's the us versus them mentality. There's this group and that group, and there's mainly two. One is against the other. They both have pressing issues on both sides, and each have unwavering convictions about the truth. One side of our divide uh, has the conviction that if the other side gets what they want, then we're all doomed. And one side thinks that the other side is completely ignorant and willfully following a set of principles that are leading them down a path of destruction. Well, after thinking through the last year, and maybe you've deeply thought through the last year as well, because we have been in a different kind of year and a half of our lives, we still experience today, right now, in our current culture, people's anger. Lots of people have disdain. You might have experienced it personally, or maybe towards other people. Well, I've come to the conclusion that both sides of our cultural divide actually agree fully on one thing, that the other side is wrong. Well, this means that we are fully entrenched in judgment finger-pointing to the point that you can't agree with anything another side agrees with. Otherwise, we are wrong just through association of principle. You might think, well, that's a good idea. Maybe we can consider that. Nope, because it's the other side's idea. Well, we have grown into what I'll call the enemy mindset. 
and we need to outgrow it. We have an us versus them mindset. We have quarantined groups where we are trapped into groupthink, and nothing within our quarantine group is ever challenged by those within that same quarantine group. We, we're supposed to challenge the other quarantine group. Yet there's another stacked problem. As much as I like technology and social media, we have social media algorithms that put information into our, in, in, into our phones and smart devices and computers and such, and therefore into our brains, that's only based and promoting our own quarantine groupthink. So we even have news that perpetuates our groupthink on both sides this is happening. Well, all you hear is, when all you hear is confirmation of our own views, it hardens our heart towards anything different. You stop being able to have compassion or empathize towards others. Loving your enemy becomes not an option. And therefore, we feed off of like a buzz that I am right and you are wrong. And that's what we agree on is the other side is wrong. Well, the Bible teaches a kingdom divided amongst itself cannot stand. So what I believe is the darker our culture gets, the brighter the church can shine. And this is hopeful news. This is the time where the church can stand through the fog and give a sense of truth if we choose to do so. Can we model an alternate way? Can we just not get sucked into a quarantine group? Can we talk? Can we behave in a way that is counterintuitive to those that hate their enemy? Can there be a third option? Paul said, do everything in love. Even when we dialogue about the most controversial issues and topics of the day. So I would say that if you can't speak about certain topics without inciting anger or immediately entering into sarcasm or scoffing, or inciting emotions just to incite them, or maybe losing control of your own emotions. If you're not able to control your own emotions, then maybe we all need to do ourselves a favor, and in those situations, we need to shut up and not speak. And we need to do the kingdom a favor and not embarrass the kingdom because I'm in a quarantine group talking a steady stream of consciousness nonsense. Well, as Jesus followers, we have to get to the point where we can dialogue about certain things without inciting more division. So just remember, it is very possible to win an argument. You might be totally right. You might be standing on the side of truth as you know it, and you're winning that argument and totally losing the spiritual argument. Well, the mantra that I love to follow is always answering the question in dialogue, is it better to be right or is it better to be kind? Well, I think Jesus taught that it's always better to be kind than it is to be right. Trying to be right in the Christian world means that we're spewing religious noise. So our hope is in Jesus, and all hope is in the self-sacrifice of love. All of our hope is in mercy that triumphs over judgment. So in this time in our lives, in this time in our culture, that judgment reigns supreme, could we be a people of mercy? Well, the core idea of mercy is the idea of pardon. And this is a little bit difficult. We think somebody should get what they deserve. 
Well, you are guilty of a crime, let's say, and you're let go from that crime. That's mercy. You deserve a judgment, but yet instead of judgment, you get an unexpected kindness of release. Well, mercy is not the same as grace, and a lot of times we get those mixed up. Grace is a broader concept of mercy. Grace includes the pardon, and that our sins are separated from us as the east is to the west. And we are also then, in grace, transformed in the likeness of Christ. So grace encompasses the idea of not only pardon, but also empowerment. It's mercy than empowerment to do greater. So mercy does have a broader idea to it as well, and that is the idea of unexpected kindness that you wouldn't normally show this certain someone, maybe an enemy. So it's an unexpected kindness to your enemy. Well, there are stories in church history where Christians that were being extremely persecuted, even by other Christians. So let's say you were a reformer off of a reformed church. The Anabaptists experienced this. So there are stories where the persecuted, when they saw their persecutors, when they were in trouble or the persecutor was ready to die, the persecuted would save the persecutor. They had mercy on their soul. Well, judgment would say that we should let that person, since they're a persecutor, let's let that person die. But since mercy triumphs over judgment, then this person doesn't deserve to die. This person will get unexpected kindness. Well, a lot of times the persecuted would then be killed by the persecutor anyway, even though they saved their life. Well, where can we show this unexpected kindness in our culture. See, a judgment is the notion that you get what is coming to you. Mercy is getting something that is not coming to you in a positive way. So even though you saved a life under judgment, you still deserve to be punished. Well, this is where we're at in a polarized society. It is very difficult to show mercy in such ways without getting your hands slapped. Showing mercy to your enemy runs you the risk of being considered an enemy yourself. Judgment, though, reduces us down to labels. And when you label people, then you don't have to see them as people. So therefore, judgment is a lot easier than mercy. You now see, in judgment, you now see people as an object. And seeing people as individuals and not objects takes time. It takes love. It takes Getting to know someone, it's, it's harder. It takes vulnerability to get to figure out who they are and why they are and why they do the things that they do. That's a messy proposition. That's getting involved in somebody's life. Well, in judgment, it's, it's like I said, easy. And we then label and we say, you're this or you're that. So therefore, you're the enemy and I don't have to listen to anything you have to say because you're this label. Well, I did some poking around and I just listed off some real life labels that I've heard in the last year. And so I, I just listed them out for us. And some of you are going, wow, those are pretty extreme labels. And this is what we call one another. We, te we tend to just label people instead of looking at them as a person. You're a Democrat. You're a Republican. You're a leftist socialist. You're a Marxist. You're an alt-right extremist. You're a snowflake. You're a Trumpian. You're Antifa. You're QAnon. 
you're a sheeple, you're woke. And the list goes on and on. And we make fun and we use these words to make fun and to disassociate from one another. And I haven't even heard half of these words until just like two years ago, starting two years ago, really, and some of them just in the last year. So the more divided we become, the more name-calling we issue. And we have to get to the point at some, at some point, folks, that we are able to look at people and maybe people that are so wrapped up in the now crisis. Yes, they're in the now crisis. And they've cashed in their independent thinking to their quarantine group. Okay. And somehow we have to see people, even in really difficult situations, we have to see people as people and learn to love them. Well, it's psychologically proven that when we are on the winning team, we have, a, we have an uplift. So we feel better when we're winning. So when we judge, we're actually putting ourselves on the winning team. And that gets a temporary elation. We're temporarily uplifted at that point. Yet mercy, it's proven that when we show mercy, there's long-term character growth. So this is why at the heart of the Christian faith, we have the principle to not judge. Do not judge. So our option and our only option, Christians, is to show mercy. Now, where does that start? Well, here's the application. I believe that in showing mercy, that starts with attributing worth to another person. I have heard so much name-calling and so much downplaying of other people that that some people that I'm hearing, it's like they don't even think another person on the other side in another quarantine group, that they haven't even any worth. It would be better if they were just like dead or something. Well, we have to see what we view as scum. Even if you view another person as scum, we somehow as a Christian need to look through the scum and find worth in another individual. This is what Jesus did for us on the cross. He looked at all of us as sinners and saw us as literally not deserving and not really deserving of grace or of heaven. And he, and he gives us an unsurpassable worth because he paid an unsurpassable price for us. And this truly is the very definition of love. Judgment is attributing worth to ourselves at the cost of another person. But mercy and love is attributing worth to another person many times at the cost of us. Well, judgment is a theft of worth where we take worth from someone to give us worth or significance. It comes from the insatiable human fleshly need, like we talked about in The Blessed Are Those Who Hunger and Thirst for Righteousness. If you want more information on this, it comes from this insatiable human fleshly need that we have to search for significance and we steal worth from others in order to accomplish that very task. Well, in the Christian faith, we are to look at our life and there's a verse that says, don't look at somebody else's speck in their eye when you have a log in yours. So we need to come under the assumption that there is a log in our eye and that we need to work on self and not judge another person's mishandling or their speck. So this is a parable in Matthew that says, basically, we are in no position to judge another person. Well, in 1 Timothy 1.15, 
This saying is reliable and deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And Paul says, I'm the biggest sinner of all. He basically says the same concept. He admits that he is he has a huge log in his eye. Well, it's an awareness concept. It's not a self-shaming concept that Paul's doing. That before you cast your judgment, you need to look at yourself and allow your judgment to be silenced. So if you have this mindset and you embody this scripture, then you will definitely realize your need for mercy. You'll see the log in your eye and you'll say, Lord, forgive me, Lord, help me, Lord. So if we can be a community of brokenness and of humility and a, and a, and a community that loves like Jesus, our starting point is mercy and not judgment. It's, it, the Bible teaches to do justly and to love mercy. We don't do, we don't love justice. And so our starting point is mercy and not judgment. So if we can be a community that is kingdom-minded and not buying into divisiveness of this world, then love will reign supreme. And finally, mercy will triumph over judgment. So as the Beatitude says, happier people who show mercy because they will receive mercy. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your mercy that we see on the cross. Lord, that you forgive our sins and you separate us from our sin as the east is from the west. And you say, totally forgiven. Lord, that is unexpected kindness that's modeled for us in a self-sacrificial way. Lord, help us to love and to offer mercy to other people. Lord, not just people that agree with us, not just people that are in our same group think, but Lord, help us to love and show mercy to those, even our enemies. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.